This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 85, recorded on January 22nd, 2018. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and on this, the first episode of 2018, Yonder Alonzo is an Indian, the winter meetings have come and gone, and have the Indians failed the offseason? Uh, before we get into all that, I want to thank everybody listening live now on Facebook or wherever or whenever you may be tuning in. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, and consider leaving a review, a comment, and it lets us know you're listening and what we can improve or do to make it a little more fun to listen to. Um, joining me for all this and more, as always, is Jason Lucart. Jason, how you doing? I'm good. I, uh, when you when you reached out and said, hey, I think we should do this thing tonight, trying to remember what year it was, the last time we recorded. Uh, fortunately, the Indians have been kind enough not to do much in the last month, so we really didn't overlook many big stories as we took the holidays off. The Indians and everybody else. I, today is where the first little bit of the flood started to happen, which is minor signings, and I guess the Brewers offered you Darvish a deal, but maybe things are slowly kind of happening. Uh, but yeah, we didn't miss a whole lot of Indian stuff at all. Um, I almost didn't have be able to do it today because my laptop has this nice little thing where you get to charge it at the direct right angle and also push it at the same time. But right now with the assist of about, I don't know, 30 baseball cards, I have it propped up and pushed in. So it's charging while we talk, so it won't die. So that's good. That's about where I am right now. <laughs> it's a good place to be. Yeah. So since we last talked, uh, the big Indians news, of course, um, Carlos Santana, he did leave. We talked about that last time. That was right before our episode, I believe. Um, when he signed with the Phillies. But to sort of replace him, or at least replace part of him, the Indians signed Yonder Alonso, signed him to a two-year, $16 million deal with an option. Um, he's one of the big guys that benefited from the fly ball, um, I guess you call it revolution last season. He was an all-star. Um, he's much better against right-handed hitters and lefties. Um, that's pretty much what they signed. It's not going to replace all of Carlos Santana, but I think there are way worse options they could have gone with, like, I don't know, Eric Cosmer, but... Um, it's not a terrible sign. I like the signing a lot. It was one of the people I wanted if they couldn't get Carlos Santana back. So uh, what do you think of it, Jason? Uh, yeah, as a Carlos light, I'm good with it. Um, you know, I think his battle probably regressed a little bit. Um, but there's some room for it to regress and still be solid. Uh, I Just off, like, numbers, wasn't super excited about his defense, although a couple people... Uh, who have watched a fair amount of his play and a lot of teams play, uh, both had higher things to say. Uh, I think partially for me it's just hard because I, I loved and still love Carlos Santana so much. Um, so whoever had to replace him is, is at a disadvantage with me. Um, but adjusting for that as best I can, uh, I think it's pretty good signing. It's Pretty close to no risk, given that it's not much money and not very long. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's I think it's a good move. It, it's on, and to be honest, it's it's more money than I expected they would give anyone this offseason in terms of signing someone who wasn't already with the team. Uh, I would have taken the under on even that modest an, an annual salary. So, I, I yeah, and and it's not Eric Cosmer who is probably a better player, but who I hate and wanted nothing to do with having to sort of cheer for. Not that the Indians were ever going to sign him, uh, but even if the Indians could have signed him, I would have preferred this to that because screw Eric Hosmer. <laughs> exactly. And I, I think we talked about this Alonzo before, but part of the uh, the problem with MLB has is like marketing players. I had no idea what he looked like before the Indians signed him. 
I'm sure the Indians have played against him. He's been in the AL, but I had no idea until I looked him up to to write about him. <laughs> and as far as his bat regressing, um, I think he's one of those players where unless pitchers can suddenly adjust to all this fly ball, I'm sure they're doing like curveballs now, like the Indians are doing. But if the if baseball can take like two years to catch up to what hitters are doing right now, I think maybe the Indians can get almost kind of what he did last year because it wasn't the, just the fact that. It was just a fluke year. He he changed something very specifically to be able to hit the ball way better, and it was fly balls, which, I mean, everybody's doing. But it seems like the Indians are kind of banking on pitchers will take about two years to catch up, and they sign the guy for two years hoping that when he has this newfound ability before people start shutting him down again, he'll still be good. I think they can at least get the one year, hopefully the two out of him. Yeah, I mean, when you look at his season, though, I mean, you know, everyone can decide. He was really bad at the end of the season, yeah. Well, he was – unbelievably good for a while and then he was terrible for a shorter while and then he was fine for a while um and the overall because the really really good lasted longer than the really really bad uh you know the overall numbers were good but i don't know that that really fits the narrative that he made an adjustment and no one's adjusted to him yet i feel like the adjustment probably wasn't quite as big an effect as people would like to imagine. And to some extent, maybe some adjustment was already made. Again, I think there's some room for regression uh, where he's still going to be, you know, well worth the contract and worth having as a starting first baseman. Um, but I'm not going to hold my breath on the same rate stats for him this year. Oh, not the, not the exact same, but I still think it's going to be better than like his previous season's offenses. If the Indians signed him for thinking he wouldn't be at least a little bit better, I'd be kind of surprised. Because like you, I think they spend a whole lot, and they said after the signing, this is pretty much it. Besides, just a little bit. Um, we'll talk about it a little bit, but they signed Melvin Upton Jr. and that was about it. That and Alexio Gondo, but yeah, it is like you said. It's it's, it's not Carlos Santana. Nothing will be Carlos Santana. Um, he pulled a, he pushed a car up a street shortly afterwards, which was kind of weird. But he's doing whatever he wants to do in Philly. So, <laughs> and it's kind of adorable watching Phillies fans discover the Carlos Santana musician. The fact that they cross over. Uh-huh. I remember those days. We were so young and happy with our Carlos Santana catcher. I was never happy because Smooth by Carlos Santana is one of the worst songs in the planet. So. <laughs> That's the only Carlos Santana thing you hate. Well, I guess unless you well, hate other songs. but Musically, that overpowers anything I might think about stuff he did when he wasn't an old man. <laughs> so this, all this stuff kind of transitions. The, the Carlos Santana not coming back, Yonder Alonso maybe not being quite as much as that. Indians fans seem to feel like they're they're disappointed in this offseason because not a whole lot has happened. Um, I guess the first caveat to that is nothing's happened anywhere. The Indians aren't necessarily an awful team now. Um, but I guess the big thing is people are saying, like, Santana obviously is gone. Brian Shaw is gone. Now Austin Jackson is gone, who was like a fifth outfielder and way overperformed and at 30 years old. So I'm not sure how much that one matters, but it's just everything. People just seem to think that these players leaving means the Indians are done. This is their whole team. I mean, I would argue outside of Santana and maybe a little bit of Shaw, they haven't lost a whole lot of their team. They still have most of the core. Um, Santana's obviously the biggest one, but they didn't lose a ton. I don't know. Not as nearly as much as I think people are worried about. I think Melvin Upton Jr. can be Austin Jackson, like the real Austin Jackson, not that insane player he was last season, which I don't think he'll be again. Um, they signed Alexi Ogano, who can be another just out of nowhere reliever like they've had with Dan Otero and Nick Goody. and um, He's just another... They're just trying to find these little veteran players who can come in off down years and then improve. They're not going to sign like another Austin Jackson who had a great year and they have to overpay him. That's not how they got here. That's not how they got Rajai Davis. That's not how they got Austin Jackson last season. 
So I think they're still doing what has got them to the World Series in a 100-win season. They're not suddenly an awful team just because they didn't bring back all these players. They would have had to pay a lot of money to get back. Yeah, it's, I mean, like, in terms of who, who left, Santana, I've said plenty about uh, tonight and otherwise. And Brian Shaw, I've been a defender of. Uh, I think they'll miss him. But Joe Smith was barely on the team last year. Jay Bruce wasn't on the team for most of the year. And honestly, in between his wonderful postseason series and the first two weeks he was with the team, he was a replacement-level player for, like, eight weeks or whatever it was. Like, Jay Bruce and Joe Smith aren't really losses because they didn't do that much. Uh, Austin Jackson wasn't going to do the same thing this year anyway, so you're trying to replace his production one way or another. Uh, Yeah, I just... I don't know. I think it comes back to like so many people are just prone to negativity. Um, if you look at any of the places where there's projections that have standings and stuff like that, uh, lo and behold, the Indians are projected to win the division by 10 or more games. And the Indians are projected to have like the third or fourth best record in baseball. Uh, like, I don't know. I, 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 at this point, I don't even really have the patience to engage with people who are so down about it because it's like I don't know if you're new to this or what but like I just don't know how anyone who's an Indians fan and isn't a child can expect more than the last couple years uh you know they gave up a lot of talent to get Andrew Miller who as relievers go is you know pretty expensive they signed Edwin Encarnacion to a big deal and I feel like those additions were like five years worth of additions usually and they made them a few months apart and now they're not matching it or topping it a year later and people have completely lost perspective on Indians reality uh I don't know I like I like I said I don't really have the patience for it anymore I like I it's it's hard for me to take someone too seriously uh if they're heavily complaining about this offseason Yeah, it's yeah, it's there's nothing to complain about. I mean, like you said, there's nothing that happened with any team. The Indians, the last couple seasons, what they did. If you expected more than that, I'm not really sure what to tell you. I kind of thought when the I think it's fine to like to criticize individual moves and you know say, oh, I wish they'd done this a little differently. But like, I just don't know how when you step back and look at the team, you can have a negative outlook on it. Like, I just I don't get it. Like, it doesn't. Like the, that, I mean, losing to the Yankees sucks. Don't get me wrong, but like, people lose all perspective on the entire season because three bad games at the wrong time. And like, I get being super bummed about it at the time. I was super bummed. I'm still super bummed about it. But like, I just don't understand how grownups can't step back and have like a more balanced and reasonable perspective on things. The Indians. Barring disaster, the Indians should easily win the division again. They should still be a really good team. They should be 95, 97% as good as they were last year when they had the best record in the American League. So, like, yeah, they probably won't have the best record in the American League this year. And, like, if that's your standard, I don't know how you stuck it out as an Indians fan for as long as you have because that's certainly not the normal for the Indians. Is it – completely untrue to think that maybe it's because of the Browns going 0-16, the Cavs, whatever the hell's going on over there, that people are just really negative right now around Cleveland? 
Like, no, even more than people are always like this about the. Well, Indians. that's what I'm saying. Even Cavs, more, just because everything's happening Cavs, right now. I don't. I don't think so. The Cavs won the championship. People complained about the Indians. The Browns didn't exist. Then I guess people didn't complain about the Indians. That was like the one stretch of time in my lifetime people haven't complained about the Indians. But I, I, no, I re- I don't really. I don't think there's much of an effect of the other two teams. I feel like the Indians fan portion of many Indians fans is that it's just never enough because they haven't won a World Series. So you mentioned the the projections that everybody has right now going and how, how well it has the Indians performing. And one is the Zips that just came out. The Zips, Zips just came out on Fangraphs. Um, Carson Sestil, you wrote it up, but it's Dan Zimborski's. I never know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, he was actually one of our early episode guests, but um, his Zips came out for the Indians. Corey Kluber, Carlos Grasco combined for 10 war, apparent, or according to it. Um, the infield looks great. Lindor and Ramirez on the left side, worth 11 more altogether. The outfield's weak, as we knew. Um, altogether, it's not a whole lot. And Canarcion is probably going to decline a little bit. But overall, this is another one of the things where the Indians haven't made a whole lot of moves, and they still look like a great team, even with these uh, predictions. There's, there's even a couple rookies that look, or potential rookies that could really contribute. One that I thought uh, was really neat that would, I'm sure Matt and Brian over on the prospect chat would like it more, but Shane Bieber, who's... I don't think he's been above like high A or double A, um, but he barely walks anybody. And Zip seems to think that he could get a win above average in the majors, which would be kind of neat. But yeah, the Indians are still a really deep team and Zip's the projection system, which is usually pretty good. We, we kind of look at these every year, but they like the Indians pretty much all around. Yeah. And that, like, I just, I can't imagine there's anything I could say tonight that would convince someone who's down on the Indians not to be, because it's not like I have some insight that's not readily available to anyone who's looking anywhere. Um, and, you know, like, I, same thing. It's like people talking about, like, oh, well, they should, like, you know, they're so close. This would be the, the offseason to push for it. Like, Edwin Encarnacion was pushing for it. Andrew Miller was pushing for it. Like, it's not that I think the Dolans would be poor, if they ran out a you know $180 million payroll, they wouldn't be. But, like, that's just Major League Baseball ownership. The, in, the, the Dolans aren't cheap as Major League Baseball owners. And they're spending more right now than they traditionally have. And they have a great team for it. I, just, I don't know how you can go through the last couple of years and just be critical of everything management and the front office are doing. It's like... Everything from the last two years is completely erased. Uh, you know, people criticize Francona. People are criticizing ownership, the front office. Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? And, like, I, there just doesn't seem to be any – like, it doesn't feel like the last two years have earned any benefit of the doubt. Now, if we want to talk going all in for it this year, um, the one big Indians rumor, as far as I'm concerned this offseason, is the fact that they talked apparently to the Orioles about Manny Machado, who – if you didn't know, is a pretty good third baseman. He had a down season last year, but still probably one of the best, I would think. Um, Ken Rosendahl said the two teams talked at some point in the offseason. It's kind of one of those vague, of course they talked things. Um, but the Indians, they did apparently want to trade for him. I'm sure they've, I don't know how far they've gotten. I'm sure a bunch of teams have asked. But the thing I've seen floating around a lot is trading like Kip and or Jason Kipnis and two prospects, which I don't think makes a ton of sense. But in general, do you like the idea of the Indians potentially trading for Machado? And do you think this rumor is anything more than the Indians talk to another team? It's a very slow news week. Here's some news. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd love to have Machado. I mean, I, you know, obviously the caveat with any trade talk is without knowing, you know, what the return package would be. 
Um, you know, the thing to keep in mind is he's only got one year left. So you're, you're picking up for one year. Um, but he, he had a, a down first half and then a good second half last year. Uh, you know, he projects, I mean, he's, I think 24, 25, he's young. I mean, he's hitting free agency at a super young age. Um, but he's already had two seasons where he was worth more than six war. And that's like what he projects for this year. Um, yeah, I would be totally game for giving up some stuff to get him. Uh, I wouldn't give up McKenzie to get him. Um, but, you know, you dip down a little lower than that in the prospect thing or, um, you know, if, if, if they wanted one of the non-elite starting pitchers, I'd be willing to, to cut into the major league rotation to pick him up. Um, you know, because as much as I'm on board with the front office and all that, I do think 2018 is likely to be the best season the Indians have in the next stretch of years just because Miller and Cody Allen are probably both gone after this year, uh, and that's a major change to the bullpen. Um, so I do feel like it would make some sense to put a few more eggs in this basket. Um, you know, the other thing is though, like, like I already said, they, barring disaster, they should win the division no matter what. So I think there's something to be said for keeping some financial flexibility for mid season to see sort of what the needs are at that point, kind of getting ready for the stretch run. Um, but if they had a chance to pick up Machado without giving up someone who is key to me, um, you know, I would definitely bet on a big bounce back from him. So I think he'll be, uh, you know, a, a top 10 or 15 player in baseball this year. So I, I wouldn't scoff at picking up someone like that. I think it's interesting um, that you wouldn't want to give up McKenzie for him. I don't think it's, that's not a terrible thing to say. You want to keep your potentially an amazing pitcher for him. Um, one of the things I think it was believe in the ball had it there, their trade proposal. I basically want to see what you would think. If you could make an official trade proposal right now, um, theirs was Salazar and McKenzie. Oh, what was it? I think it was Salazar and McKenzie or Greg Allen, which I think is a little light. But I think it. I think starting with Salazar is pretty good for the Orioles because he's still going to be around a couple years. Like somebody like J Jason Kipnis was another one floating around, but I don't see what use they would have for him. I don't see what trade value he has. Um, as much as I like McKenzie, I'm, I'm on the opposite side of that one from you. I would be willing to trade him for even just a year of Machado. Like Salazar McKenzie, if they can start somewhere with that and something else maybe really small or swap out McKenzie for Greg Allen or someone else who they would take, um, I'd be all for that. But I like the idea of starting with Salazar um, for Machado. You did mention that it would be if they couldn't – if it was one of the non-elite pitchers. Are you counting Salazar in that, that list of I wouldn't trade him for Machado or do you think that's a good place to start to get him? If oh, I would, I would trade. I would. I would trade Salazar for Machado. I would trade, in terms of the starting pitchers, uh, on the roster right now. I wouldn't. Obviously, I wouldn't trade Kluber or Carrasco. But anyone else would be in play for me. Bauer or Salazar would both be in play for me. Yeah, I can't think of a single other than the ones you mentioned, and I don't think they'd want a reliever. But it's really hard to think of anybody, even just for a year. Is he's he's that good? This is. I mean, look at the Pirates. I don't think it's the exact same scenario, but it's one that is close enough, I think, where we can look at that as kind of a terrifying tale that one or two things don't pan out with a with a prospect and suddenly your your player your core is all old, they're leaving, you need to trade them away. So at this point I'm all for going in for whatever they can. I'm also not gonna be upset at them for not if they don't go in all at once. If they think Mejia can pan out and Tristan McKenzie can pan out, there's no reason to deal him away now for 
a one-year run because if those if both of those guys turn out to be something great they're gonna have several more years of a window but if they think this is their last i don't want to say this is their last year yet but if they're in their last couple years and they think machado is enough to put him at third ramirez at second that's enough to get a world series i'm fine with dealing just about anybody who's not and i wouldn't be looking to trade bauer or salazar like for prospects because i think they should be in win just for machado yeah but to pick up someone who makes this year's team better, um, you know, Bauer and Salazar, I feel like they're both nearing the end of the time when they're providing much excess value. Um, you know, as you get into arbitration, your your contract starts to catch up with, uh, you know, what you, you probably deserve to be paid. Um, you know, so Bauer, especially because he's been so durable, um, you know, is certainly a, a good guy to have in the rotation this year. Um, but in terms of, like, trade value, in terms of, like, which guy I'd rather have generally, I think at this point, while he's obviously still a big question mark, McKenzie has a lot more excess value to me than Bauer or Salazar does at this point. Oh, yeah, for sure. The One of the big, um, the value of, what am I thinking, Trevor Bauer here, um, is that maybe he had the, the really hot, second half last season he had a really hot start to second 2016 he can be really good for long stretches of time um, one of the reasons last season he was so good is because of a cutting slider that he developed in pretty much the middle of the season um, and helped him have one of the best half seasons of his career last season and he said that i think it was during tribe fest he said he, he's not going to use it anymore <laughs> he's just that the pitch it worked it was good he's done um, Alex Hooper at CBS Sports put it really well, actually, what he's doing. He said Bauer is not killing the pitch. He's just splicing it and cloning it, which I think is a good way of saying it. Because basically what he wants to do, um, Trevor Bauer is never satisfied, apparently, with just having three pitches. He wants to make, he just wants more horizontal movement. So right now it's a slider. He also wants to make it like a slurve like Corey Kluber. And I mean, if he, if he wants to emulate anything from Corey Kluber, I'm all for it. Um, <laughs> what do you think of Trevor Bauer cutting what was one of his really good surprising pitches last season and just trying to rework it into something altogether different for, I don't know what he could see, but it, it looks on the surface like almost no reason. He just wants movement. It worked. He doesn't want to just go with what worked, I guess. I honestly, like Trevor Bauer for me is just like a throw up my hands and shrug and like just sort of a whatever. I feel like he derives so much satisfaction from tinkering and trying things. And I feel like be, because the way he presents all that is pretty different from how your typical major league player presents stuff. Um, and in terms of like what we might classically think of as intelligent, he comes across as much more intelligent than a typical baseball player. I feel like he's given a lot of credit or benefit of the doubt for all of that. Um, you know, I see someone who was a top draft pick and who is like four full seasons into their career and has managed to turn themselves into an above average starting pitcher, which is a good outcome for any draft pick. Um, but for me, it's sort of a, I'll believe it when I see it with him. You know, like if he's developing some other pitch, maybe it's going to make him better than he's ever been before. Um, but I don't really buy into the... Trevor Bauer is a genius and he's, he's, it's all going to come together and he's going to be a Cy Young guy one of these days. Like, I won't believe that a second before it happens. I know someone was asking, uh, you know, in the, the, the hot takes post that you wrote, you know, Trevor Bauer gets Cy Young votes. I would bet 
heavily against Trevor Bauer getting Cy Young votes this year. I would really like to go to just find different dimensions and find one where Trevor Bauer doesn't tinker with anything and see if he's great or if he needs the tinkering or if he's really bad because he needs the tinkering to be above average. I want to know if he just kept his three pitches, he worked on three pitches, he was really good at them, if he could be like a star pitcher or if if the tinkering is what makes him better than like a number five or even like a bullpen guy. I think that's something I'd really like to see. There's no way to know now, obviously, but I don't know. I guess I'd assume he knows because I think I think he is intelligent. I think the thing that's the most appealing about him is the fact that he does show us all these behind the scenes things and what he's doing. There's so many people doing these things, but they never talk about it because either one, they don't want to, or but they don't really know how to articulate it. It's neat to see it, but it doesn't make him a better pitcher that he shows us this no, stuff. No, like, it makes it more interesting, I think. Um, and, I, and I get why for a lot of people that makes him like a more intriguing and interesting guy. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, he's the pitcher he is. And again, like he, the last couple of years has been, if you offered me his 2017 numbers for 2018, I would gladly take it. And I know a lot of people feel like this is going to be the year when, you know, he takes a big step forward. I feel like he took a step forward in 2016. Um, and, you know, if he's with the Indians another three years and he duplicates his 2017 numbers in each of those three years, I'm fine with that. Um, but I don't think we're ever talking about him as a Cy Young candidate. I'm still not against the idea that he could. If there's, I mean, if he, if he really, if the slurve can help that much, if he's, if he was really as good as he was in the second half last year and a better pitch make him a little better, I could see him being really good. I, I don't know. I don't think it's just because he's some super genius. I think maybe it's because he's tinkering stuff and better, but, but I would just really like to see if, if with just sticking as a normal pitcher, if he'd be a lot better or a lot worse, I think that'd be neat, but there's really no way to see it. I think, um, for our last thing here, um, we have one final question. It's from Mark Shuffleton on Facebook. He wanted to know, what is your reaction to Lindor making the cover of RBI Baseball? Does that mean that Tribe fans can no longer give the game the poor ratings it deserves? Um, I think it's cool. Um, I should have looked it up beforehand, but I can't think of the last time a Cleveland athlete was on the cover of a game. I would assume Peyton Hillis on Madden, which was the weirdest Madden cover ever. Um, I can't think of any Indians. Manny Ramirez was on a game, but that was when he was on the Red Sox. But Surely LeBron James has been on the cover of a video game. Has he? Hold on, I'm looking up real quick. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I haven't played an NBA basketball game since his like second <laughs> season. Can't think. Oh yeah, okay. Two K fourteen. LeBron James was, but that was when he was on the Heat. So if we can't count Manny Ramirez, we can't count that either. Unless we can count Ramirez. So really, Cavs, Cavs LeBron James has never been on the cover of a video game. That's nope. shocking to me. <laughs> I don't think. No, he hasn't. I mean, Kyrie Irving uh, was, and then they had to switch that at the last second. RBI baseball came out when I was like six years old, uh, and I enjoyed it, but uh, I played probably a little bit more bases loaded back then, uh, and don't really have any productive commentary on any version of RBI baseball <laughs> more recent than the original. I will say the new one just looks like garbage. I don't really play baseball games, because unless they're really arcadey, like there was, um... oh man, what was it called? There was one a few years ago where it was basically just an arcade game. Arcade baseball games are great. Realistic baseball games are boring garbage. I never play any of them. <laughs> but RBI baseball looks especially bad. I don't know. The interesting thing about this game, other than Lindor on the cover, is that it's actually MLB producing the game, which doesn't mean they're they're making it, but it means they're funding it and probably overseeing something. Um, I don't know who the actual developer is. Um, but MLB Advanced Media is taking over doing it, which is the first time that like a league has made their own game, which is kind of neat. 
Um, so that it's still going to be garbage, but <laughs> it'll be there. It's another game on more consoles, which is. I hard. assume since Major League Baseball is overlooking it, each game will take roughly three and a half hours to play. <laughs> well, no, if they're overlooking it, they're going to make it like three hours, and the game shuts off. The game has to end there. They don't want it to go over. Um, I wonder if they can like sneak in what they want in the game, and then like subliminal message what. So they'll just put pitch clocks in there. You won't notice. I'm like, oh, this is great. Why doesn't the real baseball have this? <laughs> They're in total control. But it's not going to be good. RBA baseball is just not good. The, the best baseball game is Ken Griffin Jr.'s Lugfest, and there's no argument against that. That's correct. Um, I know you and your Mario Kart knowledge might have other thoughts about baseball games, but they're not right, Jason. It's Slugfest or nothing. I, I won't argue with that. I like, <laughs> I like hitting home runs off parked cars and home run derby. <laughs> So anything else? Um, I guess baseball or Red Alert otherwise until hopefully we talk next week and something goes catastrophic or we just have nothing to talk about next week. But anything between now and then? Not for me and probably not for baseball. Yeah, I don't think I I always said at the beginning there is some stuff that finally happened. I think it stopped by the time we started recording, but some minor signings. Um, Austin Jackson signed with the Giants. Which he got his money. That's fine. The Giants are—they're having in an off season where nothing's happening. All of it is happening to the Giants. <laughs> I saw someone post that the Giants are just basically a retirement home at this point. It's all—they're yes, doing they're, the opposite of the Indians. They're taking the veterans who National League pennant again. <laughs> yes, they're going back to the even year of the 2012 is what they're trying to get. But yeah, I don't know. They'll be interesting to watch, I guess. Um, Evan Longoria might still be good, but Jackson—I'm not. I'm not at all sad the Indians didn't sign him back because we talked about it earlier. The Indians got where they are by not signing players who tripled their normal career output and are also 31 years old. So happy for him, happy for the Indians to not get him. I'm not like, honestly, like, I mean, I'm happy, you know, he, he signed the deal. So I guess he's good with it. I'm happy for him. Like coming off the season he had, well, I don't expect him to repeat it. And obviously teams didn't expect him to repeat it. Him only being able to get a $3 million a year contract uh, is pretty staggering. The, the What counts as the market this offseason uh, is in, like just mind-bogglingly weak. Yeah, uh, which is you, know, you know, when Darvish eventually signs and some of the other big guys. I mean, J.D. Martinez apparently has said he might wait until like mid-season that like he doesn't want to take what he feels like is a low ball contract offer and be willing to wait till some team at midseason realizes, uh, you know, they could use someone who could hit 40 home runs this year. Uh, Ooh, maybe Eric Cosmer will do that too. That'd be awesome. I don't think it's, yeah, I don't think he's going to hit 40 home runs. This year, <laughs> no, I mean, I hope he waits till midseason and waits for it. I don't think it's like, you know, like formal or even unspoken collusion, which is what some people are saying. Um, you seem to have made a all at once decision in a way that doesn't quite feel on the up and up. Yeah. It's, it's everybody's coming to the same conclusion, which is only is really basically one conclusion. Somebody finds the difference that over 30 players sort of decline faster than we used to think they did. So yeah, but it doesn't really make sense that like everyone comes to that conclusion at the same time, the way they seem. And I guess on some level they haven't, like it only takes a couple teams not having reached that c- conclusion to keep overpaying guys. Uh, I don't know. I feel like the next, I, I feel like I want to say the CBA runs through 2021. Maybe I feel like we could be looking at a, at a labor stoppage for the first time since the 94 and 95 one. Cause I, I feel like the players are 
belatedly realizing they've done a poor, poor job in the last few uh, and have let things get pretty bad for them. But how do you prevent, if just teams don't want these over 30 players, how do you make them sign them and get their money on a free agent, like shorter rookie contracts, I guess? Uh, yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's, if I were them, what I'd be pushing for is, you know, like, you know, listen, we need to be getting X percentage of the revenues and that's dropped a lot in recent years. Uh, you know, so if the, the old salary thing doesn't work anymore, then instead of team control for six and really seven years, cause it's so easy to game that, uh, you know, knocking that down to four, maybe five years, um, which would be a pretty dramatic shift, especially for a team like the Indians that traditionally has not kept its best players uh, for more than a year or two with an extension. Um, but, I mean, I, you know, the players have just gotten pushed around after, after being at one point probably the strongest union in the country for 20-some years. Uh, they've gotten their butts kicked lately, I think. Yeah, and it's going to, like teams like the Indians who sign those, uh, sign the players to those extensions when they're younger. I'd imagine players are going to do a lot less now. Like Corey Kluber, if he knew that he would be going to his plus 30, he's not going to get a whole lot when he's a free agent, I don't think, anymore. When he's going over 30, if he would have free, hit free agency, what, a year ago or this year or whatever it would have been? Think how much money right. he could have made. And there's just no incentive for him to sign that anymore, I don't think. The, the risk is getting smaller and smaller that if you don't sign that, you're not going to make your money. Yeah. Yep. Well, anyway, that was... Some fun labor talks. I'm sure I don't I don't doubt there'll be some kind of really heated debate about it. Maybe work stoppage eventually, but we'll get there when we get there. Um, everybody else, we will talk to you next week. Jason, see you then. <laughs>